0: And, um, anyway, just praying that, that God would just go before me and would speak through me and give me clarity. And, um, anyway, uh, um, we're going to pray again, but I just wanted to, to say just a little word. Um, Max Lucado, I don't know if you're familiar with him, an author, he writes a lot of books. Um, he said he thinks that grace is God's best idea and, um, He he said, his decision to shower a people by love, to rescue passionately, and to restore justly, what rivals this, of all his wondrous works, grace, in my estimation, is the magnum opus. And that means it's just like this is his just greatest work. Um, and I was thinking about when, you know, he wrote that, but I thought, well, you know what, he does have a point, <laughs> kind of, because in First Peter one twelve it says, it talks about um, the unfolding of God's eternal plan, and um, it says that it was something that the angels desired to look into, so God had this plan, and angels were like, hmm, you know, like, you know, the son of God is going down to the earth in the form of a man. So they're, you know, curious. And um, so even they had desired to look into it. Uh, We only touch the surface of what God's grace and mercy really is and what it entails and how it has profoundly, profoundly, profoundly affected our lives. Don't you think? We'll go into it deeper, but without God's grace, we wouldn't even be here. (laughs) So it's only by God's grace and by by his goodness that we are here. Um, Grace, as I said, it's one of my favorite words. I have decorations around my house and signs around my house with the word grace because I love it so much. And it's just a little word, but it has such great meaning. So um, this is just one. It's amazing grace, and his grace is so amazing. These are my reminders. Um, I just like to always be reminded, you know, God's grace is sufficient. This one says choose grace, and then I have one more, and um, I love what it says. And it says, um, in this house, it says, in this house, we do second chances, we do grace, we do real, we do I'm sorry's, we do hugs, Um, we do family, and we do love. And I just think, you know what? That's what we all need. We need to cover each other with grace. And, you know, in in my house, I mean, we hope that's the case. And in this house, this is God's house. Um, This is our family. And so we need to do grace with each other, right? We need to do love. We need to say, I'm sorry. Um, Anyway, and um, I'm hoping someday to have a granddaughter (laughs) named Grace. Because I think, oh, Gracie, like little Gracie, you know, because it's just a reminder of how good um, God is. But my son and my daughter-in-law don't even know that <laughs> I have that secret wish. <laughs> anyway, um, let's pray again, and then, and then we'll get into the study. Lord, we just thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, God. And they just go on and on and on. Lord, um, there's no end to them. And Father, I just want to lift up. Each of my sisters that are here tonight, God, pray that you administer personally to them, Father. And um, like that sign said, Lord, that we do grace, we do am sorry's, we do love, we do family. Father, I pray that prayer for us here as well and for my sisters in their homes. I pray that we would just be sensitive to each other, God, that we would um just come alongside, Father, and uh, support one another and, and to show, shower each other with that love that you have for us. And so go before us, Father, and I pray that your name is just lifted up and that you are blessed and glorified. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. So right now, we were just talking about how there's so much going on in this world. There's so much going on, and it's it's a little bit stressful, and it can be stressful, um, but you know what? There's an answer for that. I feel like God answers the messiness of life with one word, and it's grace. Grace and, you know, and mercy. Um, it's the answer with all that's going on. And in God's wisdom, he is in control. So I just want to encourage you, even in the midst of the debates that are going on right now and this political climate and social unrest— that God is in control, and his grace is sufficient for us and for this world, and he has a plan. Like I said, the angels desire to look into it, and so God's unfolding his plan even before our very eyes. This word grace, um, we use it a lot. The bank gives grace period. Uh, Seedy politicians, they fall from grace. We describe a kind person as gracious, or we can just describe a dancer as graceful. We talk as though we know what grace means, and grace is in a lot of the songs, like the songs that we just sang tonight, um, that word grace. But what does grace really, what does it mean to you? Just think about it for a moment. And I, I just want you to think about practical ways that grace shows up in your life, God's grace and God's mercy, practical ways. Like, it sounds like a really great word, but how does it really show up in your life? You know, because that's what it is. It's a very—it's personal to us. So here are some questions I want you to think of. Keep them in the back of your mind as we go through the study, um, because we want to go a little bit deeper into what grace is. Have you been changed by grace? Have you been shaped by grace? Have you been strengthened by grace? Have you been emboldened, like became bolder because of grace? Have you become softer because of grace? Um, What does grace do for us? Think about those questions as we go through this study. How does grace change us, and how are we different because of grace? What is the result of experiencing God's grace in our lives? Um, We know that definition. We've heard it many, many times. Grace is the free and unmerited favor of God. So we don't deserve it at all. We don't deserve grace. We don't deserve mercy. But he just gives it to us. It's unmerited favor, and he gives us favor. This is what grace is. Um, And we need to start from the beginning. As I said, God had a plan to redeem mankind. Why? Because we were sinners and we needed a savior, right? We're sinful and we fall short of the glory of God. Um, When we had our series on the attributes of God, those of you who were here two years ago, it was so cool. We went, we talked about the attributes and we went really deep into each of his attributes and we learned that the way to know God, if you want to get to know him better and you want to go deeper It was through Jesus Christ. Jesus was the door. He's the door. Um, And in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. And that was through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth to show us the way to heaven. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And when grace happens, we receive a new heart. Something happens to us. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. Something happens when grace comes in. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that we are new creatures in Christ and behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. Before you came to the Lord, were you like just tired you know, you just needed a change or something. You needed something to happen, and you didn't even know what it was. And you were just hungry for something, and you didn't know what it was. You just tried to fill it with different things. Um, it was Jesus. And so when you came to Jesus and you experienced that grace come into your life, you became a new creature in Christ. Old um, things have passed away, and all things became new. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ moved in. <laughs> and I know that Linda always talks about my heart, Christ's home, right? When grace happens, Christ enters. And last year's study, Christ in you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we, we, we learn that when grace comes in, Um, Christ comes in. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Something is different. We become new creatures. He gives us a heart of flesh, right? Takes out that heart of stone. Um, Grace is Jesus. (laughs) Tozer, another writer, he wrote that an attribute is something that God is. And we learned that when we talked about attributes of God. He wrote that an attribute is something that God is, not something God has. It's who he is. It's part of him, right? So like our characteristics are part of us. That's who we are. It's not something that we have. It's who we are. Um, grace is therefore something God is. And um, and it's the, the meaning of grace is close to, but not the same as mercy. But just as mercy flows out of the goodness of God, grace also flows out of the goodness of God. Um, Mercy pardons, right? And grace gives that unmerited favor. It's like gives more. Um, They work hand in hand and they go together. So I would like us to turn to John chapter 8 because I want to look at a picture of God's grace in action. And this is um, the woman who was caught in adultery. So if you would, please turn to John chapter 8. And I'm going to start reading from verse 1 through 11. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? What do you say? You know, they really were testing him. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accus- accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is such a beautiful picture of God's grace in action. This is what it looks like, like tangible, you know, not just the flowery word, but that's really what grace is in action. Um, that's a, a neat saying we do grace like that should become language to us. We do grace So let's start thinking of relationships that way. We do grace. We cover each other with grace Um So in this woman, uh, this woman here He said where are your accusers? Um in verse 10, right? He he stooped down when um those men were around him. What are you gonna? What do you say, Jesus? What are you gonna do? Like this woman was caught in the act. Can you imagine how humiliating and how degrading that would be? She's dragged to the mid, middle of the city, right? And everyone is just sneering at her, staring at her. They're just probably like judgmental eyes. And um, how awful she must have felt. But Jesus, because of who he is, with his love and the compassion he felt, you know, he came alongside and that's what he does for us like we might be um you know just humiliated or just feeling so low but jesus comes alongside and so he comes by her and she's down on the ground and he comes down next to her he stoops down jesus is not nothing is beneath him he stoops down and he starts writing something we don't know what he wrote you know we've heard different um Ideas of perhaps what maybe he was writing their sins, or who knows what. But we know that um, they were convicted, and they started leaving one by one. I'm sure the Holy Spirit was right there convicting their hearts. But who knows what he wrote? And by the time you know he was done, they were all gone. But Jesus, he stooped down and he wrote in the dust. He is a humble king. He's our humble king. You know he he stoops down a lot. He stooped down when he washed the feet of the disciples. He stooped down. This is our humble king. He stooped to pull Peter out of the sea. He's our humble king. He stooped to pray in the garden, right? Like, maybe that's a really special place to be. Like, we need to stoop down. Um, He stooped before the Roman whipping post. He stooped down. He stooped to carry the cross. And here he stooped to write in the dust. Where are your accusers? What a question. We need to ask ourselves the same question because Satan loves to accuse the brethren. Have you ever experienced that? You probably have. He loves to point the finger. And he loves to bring us shame. That's what he does. He's the accuser of the brethren. So, um, And it could be our own self-talk as well. Like, putting ourselves down, like, you never get it right. You did it again. You failed again. You know, you fail again. You did it again. You keep going over and over again, making the same mistake. Um, but you know what? Remember this. Where where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Um, that's Romans chapter 5, verse 20. So think about that. Like, she was deep in sin, and maybe you're feeling low. And maybe even Satan is accusing you, and you're feeling so terrible. But you know what? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And so I hope that is encouraging to you. Um, When we talked about the attributes of God, we learned that there's no end, there's no limit, there's no bounds. They go on and on and on. It's, It's so deep, you know. You could never exhaust all of God's grace. It's enough for, you know, this whole world from the history, from the beginning of time, for all of mankind, for all the sin that men did. Like, God's grace was sufficient for all of that and even more. It never runs out. So where sin abounds, um, grace does much more abound. So don't stay stuck there being condemned in that sin, you know? God's grace is a free gift. He gives it to you freely. You don't have to earn it. In fact, don't even try to earn it. You can't earn it. <laughs> we could never be enough. We could never be good enough. And um, just accept that free gift that He gives so freely. Just like that woman that was caught in adultery, you know, just accept it and His love. We learned. Uh, We're Car- Carmel study, and he, you know, she did it on love two weeks ago. Uh, Love covers a multitude of sins, and God's love um, is infinite, and it covers our sins. So please hold on to those promises where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Don't stay condemned. If you have fallen, if you have sinned, if you have made a mistake, we all make mistakes. Not one of us here is perfect. That's why we need a Savior, and that's why we need grace. So don't stay stuck there. Don't stay condemned there. Um, just remember that uh, God's grace is greater. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Right? So um, if God's forgiving us, we need to forgive ourselves too. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, it says that your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're not on your own anymore. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So don't listen to Satan. First John chapter 2, verse 1 tells us that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an advocate. You know what an advocate is? It's somebody who pleads for you. So you're guilty, and this advocate will come alongside like a lawyer or an attorney, and he's going to defend you. And so uh, we have an advocate. So don't listen to Satan. Just step behind me, Satan. <laughs> uh, we have an advocate with the Father. And Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. If we're condemning ourselves, we're, it's, we're the ones who are talking and we're listening to Satan. So just hang on to God's word. Um, There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You are forgiven. His grace is a free gift He gives it freely. You can't earn it. You can't do, you know Just be the best person to get it. No, you can't ever do that. It's a free gift And jesus said where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you and she said no lord and jesus said neither do I go and sin no more That was right there in in John chapter 8. Grace happens here, and that's what grace looks like. Neither do I condemn you, he said. In this house, we do grace. But he also said, go and sin no more. So our response to God's incredible, incredible love and grace and forgiveness and mercy is to sin no more. To get up, go, and don't sin anymore. We are going to fall, but his grace is always there, right? Right? But it's kind of cool because God's grace changes us from the inside out. And when you experience um, when you experience that, that grace and that forgiveness, boy, it is it's so feeling, isn't it? And our response is like just to love them back. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. It's not just me. (laughs) Not just because I cry, but um, his, um, you know, that's the response. So when he said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more, you know, that is our goal. That's our aim. As I said, we're going to fall. We're going to stumble. But it's okay. You get up. You get that grace. You get that forgiveness. You get up and you keep going. Um, Go and sin no more. And um, that's the beauty of God's grace. It changes us from the inside out. So our desires no longer are our desires. Our desires become his desires because it's that grace that just covers us. It fills us up. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Jesus is the one who took all of that iniquity. He's the one who took all of our sin upon himself. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, he was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. You know, he was perfect. And because he was tempted in all points, he can identify with what we're going through. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. We, on the other hand, we, um, <laughs> We've never stopped. We, we sin, we fall every day. We are dead in trespasses and sins in Ephesians two one, And Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says that we are lost. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we all know that, for God so loved the world. But we are doomed to perish, right? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. In John chapter 3, verse 36, we were under the wrath of God. And when I, when I hear that wrath of God, um, this reminds me of the book when we did Pilgrim's Progress. And uh, Pilgrim was carrying that heavy burden on his back. And he kept carrying, and it was just a heavy, heavy burden, right? And he kept, was afraid of the wrath of God. And it wasn't until he came to the cross where, where he did experience grace, and then that burden fell off of his back. So that's what happens, you know, it falls off, it comes off. We were blinded in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. We were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's in Ephesians. We of ourselves have nothing good to offer. We don't have anything. Our finest deeds are, are the best of the best of who we are, are like filthy rags, Nothing we could offer. We don't, we, <laughs> we can't buy it. We can't earn it. Um, and then Paul, and, and Paul said in Philippians chapter three, verse eight, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, like right? it's just rubbish, right? In Isaiah chapter 64, verse six, it talks about our goodness as filthy rags before a holy God. And God is so Holy. And uh, we are wretch, wretched. And it, it's like that song, "Amazing Grace." Amazing Grace, um, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We were, we were a wretch. Um, and um, I'll tell you a little bit more about John Newton. He's the one who who wrote that hymn, "Amazing Grace." How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. In Romans chapter three, verse ten through twelve. It says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one, not even one person. (laughs) Like uh, the best person that you know, you think, gosh, she's like perfect. Well, nope, not perfect. (laughs) There's no one who does good, not even one. So this is really our starting point. Um, Like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, he recognized his condition. That's our starting point. We have to recognize our condition that we were lost and we are sinful. We won't appreciate what grace does until we understand who we are. So that's really like the starting point. We have to recognize who we are. We can't look at ourselves and think we're really something else. We're good. We're not. Recognize who we are. We're sinful and we need a savior. Um, we're rebels, we're like Barabbas, you know and when Jesus was um, tried and um, they were gonna let one criminal go Jesus or Barabbas and Barabbas was a really bad criminal. We're like Barabbas, <laughs> you know we deserve to die but somebody took our place like somebody took Barabbas's place and Jesus took our sins away on Calvary. God in his gracious, Kindness declares us not guilty. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So over and over again, we're going to just keep um, just reminding ourselves this grace that we don't deserve. We, can't, we have to keep reminding ourselves, you know. Um, but we don't stay there. We, we know that God loves us and God's grace covers us. Um, in this series that we're talking about these gifts, we're talking about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And these gifts are used to, um, to uh, minister to the body of Christ. And we're to use them to encourage one another. So these gifts that we're talking about, like the grace and mercy, these are gifts. And God gives, God gives them to us as well because he dwells in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Um, so C.S. Lewis wrote, A man whose hands are full of parcels can't receive a gift. I thought that was kind of cool because this little graphic that Kathy and Rita came up with, I hope you all got one, and if you didn't, there's some on the table with all the titles, but the picture is of this woman holding all these gifts, right? But we know that if our hands are full of parcels, we can't receive gifts. We want to receive God's gifts, you know that he has for us, and then we use these gifts for others. So we're receiving so much grace for us, but it's a gift that's to be used, not just keep taking it in. It's we have to be a funnel that it's going to come through us, and it's going to be um, something that we can use—a gift to minister to the body. In Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And when I was, when I was talking about um, Christian from uh, Pilgrim's Progress, he was so tired because he was carrying that heavy burden of sin around with him. And Jesus is the answer for that. Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. His grace is what gives us rest when we know God's grace, then we can rest. If if um, maybe in your former life, in my former life, I thought I was really good, I mean, it takes so much energy because you're trying to be good, and you're trying to earn God's favor, and you're trying to earn, you know, the forgiveness. It's tiring, and it's tiresome, but Jesus came to rescue us, and his grace is what gives us that rest. So if you're... You know, I mean, it's a hard concept to think of because I know in in our society, we're all trying to earn something or be good enough, Um, but we have to start looking at it in a different way, Um, start thinking our perspective needs to start changing the way God sees it. Um, His grace is the thing that gives us the rest so we don't have to keep working so hard. Our relationship with God is not a relationship of works, although he calls us to do that, and it's a response out of experiencing how wonderful the grace and forgiveness and love that God pours in our hearts. We, our only response is, you know, to behave that way, to live for him, to do for him. Um, but if we're doing all these things to earn it, boy, that's going to be a long, hard life, and it's very tiresome, but so start thinking about this is just a free gift that never ends. It's so deep. Um, I read this illustration about, um, like, if you just saw a beautiful waterfall, like, you know, maybe Hawaii or something, or Niagara Falls, and here you have this little thimble, you know, you just keep drinking it up, you know, you'll never, never get to the end of it. It's just, you know, so if you are tired, um, it could be that you're fatigued because you're carrying around that heavy load. It could be you're carrying a heavy load of guilt. Like, I'm never good enough. I can't. I keep making mistakes. Why do I keep going over and over that? Um, it's tiresome. You need to trust God's grace. His grace is sufficient for you. If you're working in your own strength and trying to be good enough, and you're trying to earn God's acceptance— Covering up your sin and failures, you're just going to be exhausted. We could never earn God's grace and we don't deserve it. It's a gift that He gives freely. So, once and for all, enough of this frenzy. (laughs) Maybe we did that, or maybe we keep taking it back. But you know what? Leave it there at the cross. Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Verse nine, it says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good, it is good that the heart be established by grace. I love that. It's good that the heart is established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So what he's saying is your heart should be strengthened by God's grace, not by obeying rules or trying to keep the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. So it is good that the heart be established by grace. If you have to keep reminding yourself, like have these things around your house like I do, little signs, grace, grace, grace do it. You know, do whatever it takes to, to start making your mind think, oh my gosh, God's, you know, grace is just abundant. You know, I do that. I keep, I take it back, and I, I get down on myself, and I keep, then I come back to the truth. Oh my gosh, you know, God's grace is so sufficient for me. He covers me. He covers my sin. He covers a multitude of sins. So there's no more performing for God. There's no more clamoring for God we could never earn it Um, he's already given you his grace and his acceptance you are accepted in the beloved remember that you are accepted in the beloved he's the one who made you accepted in the beloved so you can rest now but once we have accepted God's grace but we now we have our part Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 and this is where the gift comes in um, how it, when we talked about the woman caught in adultery, I said, This is what grace looks like in action, a tangible way, how it looks. Well, now we have our part. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Here's this gift that you've been given so freely this wonderful, amazing grace. And now you need to give it to other people. You have to, you know, none of us is perfect. We could never earn it. So why do we hold other people with that high standard? If Jesus stooped down, he stooped down to the ground. He stooped down to wash their feet. Like, we could do that. He calls us to do that. Christ in us, the hope of glory. If we have Christ living in us and his grace living in us, we are called to do that right? So be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, even as Christ forgave you. Um, To accept grace is to accept the vow to give it away. When we accept it, we're like, okay, you know, it doesn't just stop here. We don't hoard it. We give it away. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8 says, freely you have received, so freely give. We have received so much love and grace and abundance of it. Can we not extend grace to others, even to those who are thorns in the flesh? Because there are those sandpaper people, right? But even them we are called to show grace to, even to those who are unlovable. We are unlovable, yet God loves us with an everlasting love. John chapter 13 records um, the events of that final night. I love this chapter so much. (laughs) Um, The night before Jesus died, and he he gathered his disciples up in the upper room for Passover. Jesus, the Son of God, Savior, Redeemer, Creator, he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he had around him. Um, that's John chapter 13. This was the job of a slave, the servant. And then when the master would come home from a day spent walking on the dirt streets, the dirt roads, he expected a foot washing. The lowliest servant met him at the door with the towel and with the water. But in the upper room, there was no servant. No one even reached for the basin of water. But Jesus did, and he washed each of their feet. He washed Philip's feet, who in John chapter 6, verse 7, he was skeptical of Jesus feeding that big crowd of people, and he questioned Jesus. James and John, the the sons of thunder, (laughs) and they lobbied for positions in Jesus' kingdom, Jesus washed their feet. And Peter, who quit trusting Jesus in the storm, he tried to talk Jesus out of going to the cross. And Jesus washed his feet. And within hours, Peter would curse the very name of Jesus and go into hiding. In fact, all of them would hide away, leaving Jesus to face his accusers alone. But what does God do with sinners? He washes their feet. Even Judas's feet. Judas, the betrayer, the liar who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Can you imagine? He was in that little inner circle, the friend, and he kissed him. Can you imagine your friend? Like just how heartbreaking that would be. And what did Jesus do? And he washed his feet. So you ask, you expect me to wash his feet or her feet and let them get away with it? Um, to somebody who doesn't even deserve it? Well, naturally, naturally, we don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. It doesn't come natural to us. Um, It's not in us. There's nothing good in us. It's not natural to us, but we are different. We have received God's grace, his unmerited favor. We couldn't earn it. It's unmerited. So grace has happened to you. Look at your feet they are wet, and they are grace-soaked. Your toes and your arches and heels have felt the cool basin of God's grace. Jesus has washed the grimmiest parts of your life, of your life. He's washed them. He didn't skip over you and carry the basin towards somebody else. He stopped at you. Jesus has poured out his grace on us freely. Can we not share his grace with others? John chapter 13 Verse 14 and 15, it says, If then your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So we're not above our master. Jesus stooped down, and he calls us to do the same thing. He says, I've given you an example, and you should do as I have done. To accept God's grace is to accept the vow to give it. We need to allow God's grace to pour through us onto other people. Um, Harbored grudges, they suck the life out of you. You know, if you're holding a grudge, that's just going to eat you alive. It leaves us bitter, resentful, and angry. Extend to others the grace that you have been given. Grace is not blind. It's not saying, like, rose-colored glasses. No, grace knows. Jesus sees us in all of our sin, and he still covers us with grace. So grace is not blind. It sees the hurt. We see what people are doing. But grace chooses, choose grace, grace chooses to see God's forgiveness even more. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That's from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Where grace is lacking, bitterness abounds. But where grace abounds, forgiveness grows. Follow Jesus' example. Jesus washes first, and then we wash next. He demonstrates to us, and then we follow. He uses the towel, and then he gives it to us. And he says, now you do it. Go ahead, I'm right here with you. Go ahead, set your feet in the basin. Let Jesus wipe away every sin, all the dirt, all the secret sin, all the works that we try to do in our own strength, trying to earn our way to Jesus. Let him wash it away. Dishonesty, adultery, bad thoughts, angry outbursts, unforgiveness, jealousy, hypocrisy. Let him take it all away. And then extend that same grace to other people. There are so many awesome pictures of God's grace in his word. Um, At our last study, Carmel talked about God's incredible love. And she said, in order for us to share God's love, we have to experience it first. We have to experience it for ourselves first. We can't give away what we don't have, and it starts with us. Um, St. Augustine said, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Hmm. The confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Just like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, he had to recognize that he needed a savior and he was a sinner. That's where we start. We can now allow our hearts to grow hardened if we ignore and we don't confess our sin. That's what happened to King David. The man, after God's own heart, he allowed his own heart to grow cold. He, he hid it. He suppressed it. And he described it like this. He said, When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. That guilt will eat you alive. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And that's Psalm 32. But David repented. So we need to pray like David prayed. And he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to have that same prayer. That's Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Take care of sin. Don't let it fester. If you are harboring ill feelings towards someone, don't ignore it. Deal with it. Bring it to the Lord. If you're playing with sin or if you're flirting with temptation, take care of it and deal with it. Come to Jesus. God is holy and just, and he is also gracious, and he's forgiving. You are a new creature if you've accepted God's grace. You aren't the old you. He's taken care of your heart of stone, and he's given you a heart of flesh. You're a new creature in Christ. Our Heavenly Father is waiting for you to come to him. You know... um You know, the story about Ruth and and Boaz, and Boaz covered her, and he he just provided for her, and he, you know, took her as his wife. But he was rich, and he was the kinsman redeemer. He he covered her, um, just like Jesus covers us, and he provides all that we need. Um, Jesus has already washed us. He's accepted us. He's washed us. He's cleansed us. So I want to just say one thing, that you can be honest with God. A lot of times we hold things in and we don't, we don't tell people. We don't give it out. You know what? God is so trustworthy. You can trust him with your deepest hurts, with your secrets, with your desires, with your failures, with your shame, with your insecurities. You can be honest with him. Remember, grace happens here. Go to him as you would your physician. Explain to him the pain and tell him about your sin. Welcome his probing and his healing touch and trust his ability to receive your confession more than your ability to make it. He hears you. Just as he knew that woman caught in adultery, he knew her. God's love is great enough to cover your sin. So trust his grace. Trust his grace. It's more than sufficient. Um, if we say that we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that's in 1 John. There's a relief, a freedom. There's such freedom when we come clean before God. When you came to the Lord, didn't you just feel like like a uh, Christian with that burden off your back? Like just free have you ever felt like that it's just it's so refreshing Um, just come clean with him you know let the pure water of grace flow over you sins and all jesus told the woman neither do i condemn you go and sin no more um second corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 it says my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness um and Paul, he knew it so well. He said, "Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation," so he said, "Like, you know, I might get big-headed because I had all these revelations." God, in His um, in His grace, He gave Paul that thorn in the flesh. It was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. A thorn in the flesh, it's a really vivid picture. It's sharp. It could be tiny. I don't know if you've ever gone walking, you know, and you get something in your sandal, a thorn, a, a splinter. That sharp end of a thorn pierces the soft skin and lodges between, beneath the surface. And every step is a reminder of the thorn in the flesh. Cancer, it could be cancer in the body. Maybe that's the thorn in the flesh. Maybe it's the sorrow that you carry in your heart. That could be that thorn in the flesh. Uh, maybe it's a child in a rehab center. Maybe that is the thorn in the flesh. Maybe it's um, being in the red in your budget, and you, you know, maybe that's the thorn in the flesh. Maybe you have a, a record, a felony record. Maybe that's your thorn in the flesh. Maybe it's that craving for a drink. Maybe that's your thorn in the flesh. Maybe it's tears in the middle of the night. Maybe that's your thorn in the flesh. And you pray and you say, Lord, just take it away, take it away but you know what? You hear this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. That thorn was God's grace. He allowed it for a reason, and we have to keep that in mind. Gosh, if we knew how good God is and everything that he does, that he allows, like it's, it stems from a motive of goodness and love, we can trust him. If circumstances seem bad, and if they're difficult, you can still trust him to know that what He knows what he's doing, and that's where we find peace in the midst of the storm, because we know that God is in it. It's hard, right? It's really hard sometimes, but his grace is sufficient for every circumstance in every single situation. Grace is taking on an added dimension here. So Paul, we talked about saving grace, but Paul's talking about that sustaining grace. His grace is It's strong enough and big enough and enough to sustain us. Sustaining grace meets us at our point of need, and it equips us with courage, with wisdom, with strength. Maybe you're building your patience. Whatever it is, there's a purpose for it, and you can trust God that he's a good God. Um, We have the promise of the presence of God. Right. We don't have the promise of absence of difficulties or struggles, but we have the promise of the presence of God. And that's God's grace. So instead of looking at life like, like negative, like complaining, think, OK, Lord, you know, help me to trust in you. Your grace is sufficient. It says that in your word is sufficient. So help me, help me, help me. <laughs> you know, that prayer, you um, to meet every single challenge of our lives. Um, and as I said, God's attributes, they're limitless. There's no end. You know, drink it up. Just keep drinking it up. You're not going to waste it. Just keep drink, drinking it up. Um, last week, I, my husband and I were able to get away for a few days. You know, we'd been, like, housebound. And so we got to go to the beach for a few days, and it just felt so free. <laughs> like, ah, ah. You know, I, I, you know, Linda was there uh, a week or so before we went. But um, man, that sea breeze, and you just feel like ah, you know, coming back to life. I feel like you know your plant is dead, and you water it, and the the leaves come back up. Like ah. But, you know, just watching the waves ebb and flow, and they come and go, and they come and go. And, you know, I had been already studying and thinking about this study about God's grace. And, like, what a great picture that the ocean, the waves, they wash over us, you know. Um, His grace covers us. It's so sufficient, and it never runs out. And it just keeps covering us. Just comes, And it's so consistent. It's so dependable. It never stops, you know. So um, think about God's grace washing over you like that. Wave upon wave, and in John 1, 16, grace upon grace, wave upon wave. And you know what? The hard times are going to come in waves, too. The waves are going to wash—they're going to crash over you. The hard times are going to come, but God's grace is going to wash over you, too. You know, it's um, that grace upon grace. If God permits a challenge in our lives, he will provide the grace to meet it. Remember that. If he permits a challenge, he's going to give you the grace to meet it. We never exhaust his supply. He has enough grace to solve every dilemma you face. You just have to be patient and just trust him, you know. Um, In Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son... But gave him up for us all. How, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave us his very, very best. And if God gave us his very, very best, do you think that he's going to hold back anything from us? He gave us his very best. Um, like the song says, "'Tis grace that taught me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home." Right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Um, He's going to lead us home. So John Newton is the writer of this song, Amazing Grace. And if you know the history of it, there was a movie about him um, a while back. Um, He was a slave trader. um, And he was a very, he was mean. He was terrible. He was a terrible man, a slave trader. But he came to know the Lord. And out of this flowed this song that he wrote, Amazing Grace. Um, But he wrote this song, and the greatest test came the day he buried his wife, Mary. He had loved her dearly, and he prayed um, his death would precede her, but his prayer wasn't answered, yet God's grace proved sufficient. So on the day she died, he became a pastor and a preacher. So he came from being a slave trader to becoming a preacher. Um, On the day she died, he found strength to preach a Sunday sermon. And the next day, he visited church members. And later, he officiated at his wife's funeral. He grieved, but in his grief he found God's provision. He wrote about the all-sufficient God. He said, Let those who know him and trust him be of good courage. He can give them strength according to their day. He can increase their strength as their trials increase. And what he can do, he has promised that he will do. Um, so so many, so many other examples. I'm not going to go into them because we're running short on time. But, um, you know, when you, when you are feeling down and you're, you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to do, um, you're going to have to just trust. You're going to have to put your trust in the Lord. And read the examples in the Word because they're so encouraging. Like read about the prodigal, you know, and he came back and the father accepted him. Um, read about Peter when he denied Jesus and how Jesus restored him wow, and, and he just lived his life in the service of, of the Lord. Um, you know, just so many. So Joseph's another one, you know, and his brothers were so terrible, but he found it in his heart to forgive them. So think, go back to the word and think about all of these examples and hold on to them. Um, they're for us. I'm going to end with this one verse. Um, it's Acts twenty twenty four and I love this verse. It says, none of these things move me. All that's going on in this crazy world, and <laughs> maybe in your families, in your homes. I know, I, I feel like our family feels the effects of all this is going on, and probably yours do too. All the social unrest, and all of the bickering, and the fighting, and this political, you know, atmosphere, and um, everybody's knocking heads and I feel like everybody's feeling the strain and being in lockdown. <laughs> you know, it's really hard. But Acts twenty twenty four: none of these things move me. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So we are given this wonderful, wonderful gift, Right. So this is our ministry now to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. When we use our gifts in that way, when we use the gifts that God's given to us in that way, we are testifying of the gospel of the grace of God. So be encouraged, you know, choose grace, have grace for one another. Let's pray. Lord, we don't deserve your grace, your goodness, your love, your mercy. We don't deserve it, God. There's nothing good in us, but yet in your goodness, Father, you pour out your grace. You accept us, Lord. You made us accepted in the beloved. Lord, you filled us with your Holy Spirit. You took out that heart of stone and you gave us a heart of flesh. You made us new creatures in you. Lord, help us to just to depend and fall upon your grace, to call upon your grace over and over and over again just like that wave you know wave after wave and, and the grace upon grace and um, so every time a wave or a storm comes and a hard time comes lord help us just to remember that your grace is sufficient and even that will cover us so we thank you we praise you and ask that you just continue ministering to us throughout this week lord may our hearts our thoughts be turned toward you Lord, may we be a light in this dark world, and we just pray for the outcome of what's going on right now with the with this country, um, especially now with the, the the election coming up. God, may you just be in control and be glorified. And we thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with one song.